What's up everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Da Vinci Cases. Alright, so the way this works is we've got a clinical case followed by a board style question. So we're going to go through the question stem, point out the relevant clinical findings, take a look at the question and the answer choices, and then kind of divert for a minute and go through the relevant concepts to answering the question. Then we'll come back and apply those concepts that we went over to answering the question. Alright, welcome back to Da Vinci Cases. This is the 10th and final GI case, uh, the second pharmacology case for GI. So for this case, we have a 61-year-old male presenting to the emergency department with altered mental status after being found down. So whenever someone is found down, especially, or coming in with altered mental status, you obviously want to rule out any kind of neurological etiology that's oftentimes what it is, and you especially want to rule out you know, things that are going to kill somebody or uh, incapacitate somebody pretty seriously. So you want to rule out you know, an intracranial bleed or a stroke. Um, so that's why you know, these patients often get uh, head imaging. So reading forward here, the patient's wife states that he has had decreased fluid and food intake over the past week. So this guy's very dehydrated. He's had decreased PO intake. That's going to, you know, if someone's dehydrated, they're not eating as much, they could have some kind of metabolic uh, disturbance. You know, maybe they're hypokalemic or hyponatremic. Uh, and so that could also be contributing to their mental status as well. In addition, he has a history of alcoholic cirrhosis. Um, he has hypertension and then chronic pancreatitis, which is also probably due to his chronic alcoholism. On physical exam, he demonstrates jaundice, abdominal distension, which is probably from ascites, from liver failure, so fluid buildup in the abdomen, asterixis, which is uh, repeated kind of movements, uh, jerking movements of the hands at the wrist joint, uh, which is a common telltale sign of hyperaminemia or elevated serum ammonia, which is you can see in liver failure. And then palmar erythema, which is also what you see with uh, cirrhosis as well. A CT of, of the head is negative, so this isn't an intracranial bleed or anything like that. There's not some massive tumor causing him to have altered mental status. His labs are notable for a negative, negative serum alcohol level, so it's not because he's been you know, drinking excessively. In fact, his wife says that he's been had decreased fluid intake. His AST, or aspartate aminotransferase level, is 356, which is incredibly high. Um, not too surprising, though, in someone with a history of cirrhosis. And then normal is 9 to 32. And then his alanine aminotransferase, or ALT, is 289. Normal is 19 to 25. So his AST and ALT are incredibly high. You know, this is, you know, someone who's probably not just with cirrhosis, but probably with acute liver failure here. Total bilirubin is 22, normal is 0.1 to 1.2, so that's really bad uh, as well, a bad indicator of liver function as well. His serum ammonia is 143, normal is 10 to 30, so this probably has something to do with his altered mental status because what happens is ammonia can actually cross the blood-brain barrier pretty easily, and then it can cause cerebral swelling and cause altered uh, mentation as well. And then the INR is 1.6. Normal is 0.8 to 1.1, and this is also an indication of bad liver function as well when you have an INR, particularly above 1.5. So the question is, is which of the following is the, is the best next step in management? Notice the best next step. So it's not necessarily what was done immediately in this scenario or what you would do. It, the question is asking of these answer choices, which of the, if you were to do one of them, which of, the be, which of them would be the best next step to do? Uh, I just make the point of that because sometimes people when they're taking exams can kind of get caught up on that. Well, is this really what they would do in this scenario? It doesn't really matter. 
you know, in a sense, because you're given these four options and you're being asked, which of these do you think is the best next step in management? So let's summarize those key clinical findings. So this is an older male found down with altered mental status. Again, you're immediately concerned for acute uh, neurologic pathology, but in this case, the CT head is negative. He has a history of alcohol cirrhosis, and then is a recent history of decreased fluid and food intake. Uh, this suggests acute liver failure, possibly due to a meta metabolic disturbance. Uh, like I said, you can have hyponatremia, hypokalemia, those types of things if you're really dehydrated and malnourished. Physical exam, you know, you see jaundice, palmar, erythema, asterixis, and along with elevated AST, ALT, bilirubin, ammonia, and INR, which all further confirm this is, you know, pretty significant liver failure. So in the setting of acute liver failure and altered mental status uh, with hyperaminemia, this is suggestive of hepatic encephalopathy. So the question is really getting at is which of the following is the next best step in management in a patient with hepatic encephalopathy. Uh, so our answer choices are transjugular, intrahepatic, portosystemic shunt, or TIPS, magnesium hydroxide, which is an osmotic laxative, furosemide, which is a diuretic agent, and then lactulose, which is also a osmotic diuretic agent. And so our correct answer is actually lactulose. So let's go through the concepts that are relevant to answering this question. So first, let's talk about lactulose. So it's the right answer. Let's talk about how it works. So initially, lactulose is given all the time to not just patients in liver failure, but patients that are suffering from constipation because lactulose is ingested or it's given rectally. And then it is converted by the gut bacteria into three different acids, acetic acid, lactic acid, or formic acid. This actually creates a hyperosmotic environment. And so what that does is it actually draws water out of the bloodstream and into the lumen of the intestines. So it helps you know, soften up the stool and increase peristalsis. And so what that does is help with defecation. And so it helps with patients that are constipated. Additionally, what you got to remember as a byproduct of creating this acidic environment um, by be con being converted by gut bacteria into all these acids, it creates this acidic environment, which is also important for ammonia. So ammonia, if we follow, focus up here in the liver uh, portion of the diagram, ammonia has a number of ways that you can get rid of it from in the body. Remember, ammonia is essentially generated as a byproduct of amino acid metabolism. So in the urea cycle, which happens in hepatocytes in the liver, you get ammonia converted to urea, and then urea gets, you know, essentially peed out in the urine. You can also have ammonia converted into ammonium in the kidney and where it also is peed out. So the liver and kidney both play a role in getting rid of ammonia. However, if you have liver failure, the urea cycle doesn't work as well. And so you, as a result of that, you're going to have a buildup of ammonia in the serum, which is what we have with this patient. And so you have high serum levels of ammonia, and ammonia, ammonia is a toxin. And as you can see in this patient, it can cause encephalopathy. So what you got to remember is ammonia within the large intestine lumen can actually be reabsorbed. So it can be, you know, freely cross the epithelium and be reabsorbed into the bloodstream, further contributing to increased ammonia in the serum. So where lactulus comes into play is because if you have a very acidic environment, when acid combines with ammonia, it converts it into ammonium or NH4 plus. And since NH4 plus is a cation, it cannot easily cross the epithelial barrier. And so what happens is it actually gets excreted out with the feces. So by having this high acid environment created by lactulose being converted by gut bacteria into all these acids, 
you actually push this equation towards the conversion of ammonia into ammonium. It's remember back to your general chemistry days. If you have an increased amount of one reactant, you're going to push that reaction uh, forward. And so by increasing the amount of acid here, you're going to increase conversion of ammonia into ammonium and help excrete it. So it helps, you know, essentially the body get rid of more ammonia and help, you know, treat the patient's hepatic encephalopathy. So I would be remiss uh, being an interventional radiology resident uh, if I didn't go over tips very briefly. Uh, obviously, we could go at this in detail for a long time, but I just want to kind of cover the basics because you actually could see this on a USMLE exam, and so you want to be at least aware of what it is. Um, and obviously, when you get out into residency and practice, you want to be aware of it, uh, at least peripherally, uh, what it's used for. So a TIPS is a transjugular intrahepatic portosystemic shunt. So essentially, it's an endovascularly placed endograft. And the, there's two primary indications. The indications are kind of growing, uh, you know, as we do more research and more investigation into the devices. But primarily, the two main indications that you would want to be aware of is variceal, so esophageal varices or other varices in the setting of liver failure or GI bleeding in the setting of liver failure or refractory ascites. So no matter how many times you do a paracentesis or you give diuretics or any other type of therapy to get rid of volume overload, patient still uh, develops ascites. The goal is essentially to decompress portal venous system. So if we review here, you have the portal vein here, which is formed by the superior mesenteric vein and the splenic vein. So in patients with liver failure, you can get splenomegaly because what happens is, is that you have the portal veins that all kind of branch off into their different segments here. And so what happens is when you have liver failure or cause increased pressure because you're not able to drain these veins as efficiently. So what happens is that pressure builds up into the, in the portal venous system as a result of liver failure and cirrhosis especially. So that, you know, that pressure builds up, it's got to go somewhere. Remember, you're going to go you know, from high pressure to low pressure. So you have these portosystemic connections, um, which is essentially you know, venous connections between the portal venous system and the systemic venous system, which all drains through the IVC. And so what happens is that you end up developing, that's how you develop esophageal varices, because this buildup of pressure has to go somewhere. So where it goes is to, you know, the area of least resistance. So it goes into these varices and forms these varices around the esophagus. And the problem is these can bleed, they can cause all kinds of issues, and, and esophageal varices bleeding is very serious. It can be very life-threatening. So if you have this, the other thing is that having all this buildup of fluid or all this buildup of pressure can cause buildup of fluid, also known as ascites. So in interventional radiology, we can offer a solution for these patients is we can put in a TIPS endograph, which is exactly what you think of here. And what it does is it forms, it's a shunt. It's a connection between the portal venous system and the hepatic veins, which drain directly into the IVC. And it's essentially a workaround because you have all this buildup and you have all this buildup of uh, pressure in here. You can decompress that by giving it an alternative route versus, you know, having to go this way and form these varices this buildup of venous blood in here can then just travel through the tips and go into the hepatic veins and into the IVC. And so it's a decompression mechanism. So if we come back to the question here, let's just run through the answer choices real quickly. Tips is actually, hepatic encephalopathy is actually considered a relative contraindication uh, for tips because essentially you're just kind of rerouting blood. And if you already have high levels of ammonia, it's actually going to transfer high levels of ammonia from the liver where you know you don't have urea cycle functioning well into the systemic circulation. So it's, it potentially could even worsen your uh, ammonia levels in the systemic circulation. And remember, the goal is mainly to decompress the portal congestion to primarily treat variceal bleeding or refractory ascites. 
Magnesium hydrate, hydroxide, it functions as an osmotic laxative, you know, similar to lactulose, but it's via a different mechanism. Um, so it does not actually improve hyperaminemia. It just functions simply by increasing the osmolarity, you know, within the lumen of the gut and bringing more fluid in to kind of loosen up that stool and help increase uh, peristalsis. Uh, it doesn't, in, it's not involved in, you know, creating that acidic environment we talked about with lactulose. Ferrosamide is a diuretic agent used for volume overload, such as in congestive heart failure. It would not be an ideal therapy in this patient that's dehydrated due to fl uh, poor fluid intake and, f and food intake. And as far as like ascites, you know, often would, you know, you can give ferrosamide potentially in those situations, but often patients also get a paracentesis, which is also a procedure we do in interventional radiology, where essentially you just stick a needle in uh, to the peritoneal cavity and uh, drain the fluid out. Lactulose which is our correct answer, again, is converted by colonic bacteria into a variety of acids, which then favor the conversion of ammonia into ammonium, which is not reabsorbed across the colonic epithelium, and then uh, is excreted with the feces, resulting in decreased serum ammonia levels. Remember, it's all about get decreasing the ammonia levels. So again, the take-home is remember that lactulose it can be used for you know any patient with constipation, but it also has the benefit of helping decrease ammonia levels in patients with elevated levels of ammonia. All right, that's all I have for you this time. Be sure to check out all the DaVinci Cases videos available on our YouTube channel and our website, dviacademy.com. The PDF notes for every DaVinci Cases is also available on our website. Also be sure to check out our podcast, The DaVinci Hour 